Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Okay, so pride. We're talking about pride. And this guy got a little arrogant when he was, when he was running. This is from 1980. Can you believe how bad TV quality was in 1980? That was like 360p. And the shorts were pretty bad, too. It's, if, it's a good thing it wasn't HD back then because you wouldn't want to see them shorts in HD. And what was, never mind. Just good thing we didn't have HD back then. But um, it was John Tracy, but he's British, so it's spelled T-R-E-A-C-Y, like Brits would, you know. John Tracy versus Steve Ovitt. And Steve Ovitt, did you see him when he was running? He had this huge lead, and he even did, like, one of these things, like, yeah, I'm going to win. And he kind of, like, slacked off. And, um, and John Tracy just comes, and he, like, lunges at the end, totally, you know, totally knocks him off. And you heard the whole saying before, probably, pride comes before fall. And that's like kind of an example of that. But when I was thinking about pride, maybe you've heard it before. Your parents have told you that or your teachers have been like, yeah, don't get too proud because pride comes before fall. And you hear about it like happening to other people. But then you look around like with you and you look around at other people and it seems like some of the proudest people are some of the people that are most successful. Or is it just me? But it seems like the guys that are like, you know, guys, it seems like the guys that are like, try to act the most macho, and they're the ones that, you know, you know take the DMZ and, and take all these roids, and they're all big, bad, talking about how awesome they are and how big they are and how great they are and, and how every girl wants to go out with them. They seem to be the guys that have the girlfriends, and you're sitting there like, that's I'm a junior, and I've never been to homecoming. And sometimes it feels like people that have, it feels like, from our experience, that people who have pride actually seem to do better. Maybe it's just my experience, but I, to me it always seemed like the, you know, the, the proudest guy and the proudest girl in the school were always the ones that were getting all the accolades, and everybody cared about them. Everybody was, like, talking them up, and you're sitting there, like, trying to be humble, and nobody, you know, nobody gives a rat's hairy hind end about you. So, so is, it, is it true? Should we just be like everybody else and be like all the people that we think are successful and just start being full of pride and kind of self-confident and arrogant? Is that the way we, is that the way we should be? Pride is, is actually dangerous. And sometimes what we see is we see the people who are full of pride now, but we don't see the humbling experience of those people in high school that are, in, that are full of pride because that may come in college or that may come when they're in their 20s. So first off, just as a commercial, just because somebody's full of pride and, and arrogant and cocky and they seem to be doing okay right now, just wait. But the second reason that we're talking about pride is because the Bible actually tells us that pride is sinful that pride is kind of the antithesis. It's the exact opposite of what it means to be in obedience to God. So as Christians, we shouldn't have pride in our lives. And it's not just because in, we, don't have, we don't want to have pride in two, for two reasons. First, because it's disobedient to God. Now, that is the ultimate reason. The second is because it's dangerous. The longer you hold on to pride in your life and you live a life for, full of pride, the more danger it is to you, dangerous it is to you and the people around you. We're doing this making a murderer thing, right? And who, Do you remember the first motive we talked about? Fear, Avery's on it, fear. We talk about fear. We talk about fear, and we talk about Pharaoh, how he wanted to kill the Israelites because he was afraid of them. And we talked about, what was the next one last week? Lust. You're not going to forget lust, are you? We talk about lust. We talk about how David, even though he had all these wives and all these, sounds weird, but all these women, he wanted the one that he wasn't allowed to have. And that lust caused him to be a murderer. Tonight we're talking about pride, and pride was a murder, uh, was a murder motive, and it's actually, of the three murders, I think this is the most interesting one, like just from a, 
not that we read the Bible for entertainment, but the Bible is sometimes entertaining, and this is one of those where it's just, it's just incredibly entertaining and wild and bizarre. And if you, want, if you wanted to see, if, if this was a movie that was in the theaters, your parents may not want you watching it because it would contain, yeah, it, it, it would contain, um, it would probably contain sex and it would probably contain um, graphic violence. But it's in the Bible, so we're going to read about it. And it has to do with a guy named Herod and a guy named John the Baptist and a lady named Herodias. So first we're going to talk about John the Baptist. We're going to talk about how this murder went down. The main character here is John the Baptist. You've probably heard, maybe you've heard about him in church before, but to explain it, John the Baptist was cousins with Jesus. Y'all can understand that, right? Because everybody's cousins around here. Like everybody's like second, third cousins. We're all related somehow. I've learned that um, being in West Virginia this long. We're all kind of related. Well, Jesus... And John, the, this guy named John, were cousins. John was, a, was, was just a couple months older than Jesus. And John was used as the forerunner of Jesus. So John, he was kind of like, guys, he was kind of like a man's man. You know what I mean? He, um, he lived in the wilderness. He was Bear Grylls before Bear Grylls was popular. He, it says he ate locusts and wild honey. Like his, he lived off the land. He ate locusts, wild honey, and wore animal skins. <laughs> talk, about a, talk about a tough dude. And he went up and down the Jordan River, which was like the main river, and that's where all the cities were all, just like, you know how Ohio River, you've got like Huntington, Point Pleasant, Parkersburg, Wheeling, you know, right along the river. All the cities were around the rivers. So he went from one city to another city to another city on the Jordan River, and he preached the gospel of repentance. So pretty much he told everybody they were sinners and they needed to repent. So for those of you that think, like, to be, if, if I want to become a Christian, it means I have to be, like, this super, like, girly man, like this, like, you know, will and grace thing where I just have to be, like, like this super, like, oh, Jesus loves you and, and everybody's going to be nice and all this stuff. And really, it's not, really, you look at John the Baptist. He, he was a hardcore guy that preached a message of repentance. So we have John the Baptist. He's going around preaching a message of repentance. And he doesn't care who, he doesn't care who. He'll tell anybody that he sees that they are sinners and they need to confess their sin. So he was a pretty hardcore guy. Well, John the Baptist butts heads with the king's wife and things get interesting. So if you have your Bible, open up to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 17 and we're going to read to verse 29. So in verse 17, it says, For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John, protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guest. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you give, or what it, ask, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once, the girl hurried into the king with one request. 
I want you to give me right, I could just see like the sass coming out, this like little girl sass, like spoiled little brat sass. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of the oaths, because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went back, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in the tomb. You following what happened here? There was a king, and the king's name was what? Herod. Herod had a brother named Philip. Herod was the king. Philip was probably a prince because it was usually a dynastic type of a thing. So you, you, Herod was probably the older brother to Philip. You, Philip was always a prince, but he was never probably going to be king unless Herod died. And you know, poor older brother, little brother thing. You know, poor little brother, Herod's always getting all the good stuff, and little brother has to settle for the hand-me-downs. Well, Philip has a wife. Philip's wife's name is Herodias. You know what Herod decides? Hey, Philip, what's up, bro? I think I like your wife. I think I want to make her my wife. And he takes Philip's wife as his own wife. And we don't have any record of Herodias being upset with it. She's like, hey, I got an upgrade, right? I go from a prince, being a princess to a prince, to being a queen to a king. She's like, I'll take it. Some loyal, you know, some loyal woman or wife to, to Philip. She was, right? So, so then John the Baptist, man, you know, he, do, he doesn't care. He doesn't care who he's talking to. He's going to tell them the truth. And he calls out to them, and he, he pretty much, like, writes an open letter to Herod and Herodias saying, what you did was wrong. Because it was wrong, wasn't it? Adultery is wrong. So what they did was wrong. John the Baptist called him out on it. And Herodias... You're like, Herod wasn't crazy. He's like, oh, this guy, he's annoying. But Herodias, she takes it personal, right? She's like, he's calling me a you-know-what, you know, from jumping from one man to another. You know, those names that you hear going around school and stuff. He's calling me a you-know-what. And she gets upset about him, so it says that she nursed a grudge against him. Has him thrown into prison. But, fit, but Prince Herod's like, you know, I don't want to kill him because he's got a big following. A lot of people like him, and I think the guy's kind of interesting. So, so, so Herod brings him to, to, to talk to every once in a while. And then finally, Herod's throwing a big birthday shindig for himself, has all these you know, important people there. And Herodias' daughter, probably Herod's stepdaughter, comes and dances for everyone. This probably like cute little, you know, little girl dance. And, and, Herod's, and Herod's like, you know what, little girl, you're so, you're so sweet, you're so beautiful, you dance so well. He's showing off in front of everyone. Tell me what you want, anything and I'll get it for you. So she runs over to her mom. Her, her mom she runs over to her mom. She says, Mommy, what should I ask my stepdaddy for? And she goes, tell him to bring John the Baptist's head on a plate to you. <laughs> she, she goes, I want John the Baptist's head on a plate right now. And, you know, what's he supposed to do? Like, he, he made her this promise in front of everyone. So he goes, tells the executioners, bring me the head of John the Baptist, and they bring back, literally, bring back the head of John the Baptist to him on a platter. And what does he do? He gives it to this little girl. He gives it to the girl, and she takes it back like, Mommy, here you go. And that was the murder of John the Baptist. Isn't it bizarre? Isn't it crazy? And it was pride. It was the pride that Herodias and the embarrassment that she felt 
that led to this. So let's, I want to make a couple observations from what we've learned here. And the first is that a good name is better than blending in. John the Baptist was not afraid to call out what was wrong and to stand up for what is right. You know, I got this, this hunting picture up here because it's, it's, it's hunting season. And, you know, one thing you want to do is you, you want to blend in with your surroundings if you want Mr. Big Buck to come within a, within a shot's distance of you. So, so we take that same approach. We're like great white hunters when it comes to the environments that we go in. We want to blend in at school. We want to blend in at work. We want to blend in on our team because we're afraid of what would happen if we acted different or we said something that some people didn't understand. So we're like, we're afraid. But Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. We all want to be accepted and, and you think it's just a teenager thing, but I'll tell you, even when you get old, you're an old man like me, you still want to be accepted, and you still face this, like, peer pressure to be accepted. Like, in high school, it's like you, you face this pressure to, you know, like, go to the parties, to drink this, to do this, to do this. And you know what you do in, as an adult? You face the same pressures, only instead of at some house of someone whose parents are out of town, now it's at, like, this fancy, swanky nightclub they want you to go to. It's the same pressures and the same pressure to conform and to be the same, but God's calling us to be different. And John the Baptist, he was different. And what you, his difference, the difference about him and him standing up for what was right, Herod didn't kill him. He's like, there's something different about him. Herod's like, there's something different about him. Herod would bring him in and talk to him from time to time because I think Herod realized that John the Baptist had what Herod didn't have. Even though Herod was a king and John the Baptist was a prisoner, Herod was empty. John had the joy of the Lord because he was doing what was right and he was submitting to God's will. So a good name, a good testimony is better than blending in. The second thing is, and I put these in the first person because I want you to realize this is you, I never stand alone. I never stand alone. I wonder how John felt when he was in the prison, and he never had it, and it was just him. And he, I wonder if he ever thought, man, maybe I shouldn't have said that about Herod. Maybe I should have done what everybody else did and just shut my mouth about it. But I think John knew this because we have no record of John ever backing down or ever being, being kind of like upset that he stood up for what was right. I think it was because he knew he wasn't alone because Jesus was with him. And when I, think, when I thought about this, the first thing I thought of was a story in the Old Testament about three Hebrew men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when the whole rest of their nation was bowing down and worshiping a false god because they were forced to with the threat of death. They said, you know what? We're not going to bow down. We're going to stand up. So the king, Nebuchadnezzar at the time, he threw them into a fire, a furnace. He threw them in there. And what was crazy, they look and they're like, they're not burning. They're like walking around in the furnace, hanging out, giving each other like friendship handshakes. Like, what's up with this? And they said, wait, we threw three guys in there, right? And they're like, yeah, we threw three guys in there. They're like, there's four guys in there. And one of them looks like a son of God. It was. You never stand alone. You never stand alone. John said something that was very, it, 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 he was the only one that would stand up and say it. It said, John said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. It got him thrown in prison. When you stand up for God, you never stand alone. John counted the cost. Jesus said, if, if you're my disciple, you will count the cost 
you're going to, as a, as a Christian, especially your generation, your parents not so much because they lived in like Christian America. I'm telling you, the America you're going to live in as adults is not going to be Christian America. It's just not. And it will cost you something to be a Christian. So you better be ready to count the cost. But remember this, it's always worth it and you never stand alone. The next thing that we realize, and we're kind of getting into the pride part now, we're gonna, but I just wanted to encourage you because I feel like some of you, you're standing up for what's right, but you're wondering, is it really worth it? It's worth it. The next thing is, pride shuts me up when I should be loud. Was John the Baptist the only one who knew what God's word had to say about adultery in Israel? There was this whole huge group of Israelite religious people called the Pharisees. You remember them? When we read about Jesus, the Pharisees were always the ones picking on Jesus because he, they thought he violated this portion of the law and this portion of the law and this portion of the law, and they were always trying to beat, beat Jesus up with their own like self-righteousness. Where were the self-righteous Pharisees on this one? You want to know where they were? They were in their temples counting the money that Herod was giving them to pay them off to make them silent. That's where they were. They were playing the politics game. They knew that if they spoke up against Herod and Herodias and what they did, that it would cost. Oh, they counted the cost, but they didn't, they didn't really count the cost. Everyone else was quiet. Everyone else bowed down in fear. You want to know why? Because they were proud because of their pride. Because they realized if they spoke out against what Herod did, they may be thrown in prison too. And they liked their comfy temple a lot better. So pride, sometimes it shuts me up. It shuts me up when I should be loud. Um, hmm. What is it that you know you should do? What is it that you know you should say but you haven't said? Like I, and I, I'm not like trying to dog on you because this is hard for me because I think about just in the past week, in the past month. Then I think about in college and when I was in high school, all the opportunities that were given to me to where I could respond with what was right, like I could resp respond with the truth of God, but yet I just kind of like went along with everything. Sometimes pride shuts us up because we know that if, 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 we, if we mouth, if we speak what's right, it may cost us something. So pride shuts us up when we should be allowed. The Pharisees were all quiet. <laughs> Man, they were quick to pile on Jesus, who was the son of God. They wouldn't say anything about the adulterer Herod. Hmm. Is that us? Are we quick to jump on righteous people because it makes us look bad, but we're really accepting of the lifestyles of people who are powerful? Hmm. The next thing that we see, and this one kind of hits hard too, is pride keeps toxic attitudes bottled up inside me. This is a big verse. This is maybe one of the key verses that, that, that shows us the motive of the murder. And it's, it's verse 18 or 19. It says, So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. I, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. And I like to look up the original meanings of some of these words because the Bible was originally written in Greek 2,000 years ago, and then it was tr it's been translated into English so that we can read it without having to get a formal Greek education. But if you look at the word that was used for nursed a grudge, it's like all one Greek word. I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to try to say it. The word is enicho, or probably enecho is the way they say it because I don't think they have the CH sound in their vocabulary. So enecho, and it means to hold in 
to be enslaved or to be engaged with. John the Baptist was just some, some crazy, you know, this is what she would say. John the Baptist is some crazy guy out in the wilderness saying a bunch of crazy stuff about repentance. And to that I would ask her, if he's such a weird, crazy guy who nobody cares about, then why are you so eaten up with the fact that he called you out on your sin? Sorry about the little head bob I got going on there. So she, she nursed a grudge. She nursed a grudge. You know, sometimes the Bible says that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy, of an enemy, are deceitful. And some of us would rather be kissed by an enemy than told the truth by a friend. And you know what happens sometimes when we're told the truth by somebody who loves us and who only wants what's best for us? You know what sometimes we do? We put up the bars, we turn on the freezer, we freeze them out of their lives, and we nurse a grudge against them for, simply for speaking the truth. And this is what Herodias did too. Did John the Baptist have malice towards her? No. He was being loving enough to share the truth because guess what? What are the consequences of sin? Romans says the payment for sin, the consequences of sin is death. If I love you, I'm going to tell you that you're doing something that's harmful to you and disobedient to God. And that's what John did. But what, what, did, what did Herodias do? She kept it bottled up inside her. And the longer it was bottled up inside her, it became toxic. And that was the only thing she cared about. The greatest barrier to true repentance, to confessing our sins, is pride. The greatest barrier to Christ-like relationships is pride. So let's go to the next one. Pride keeps me loud when I should be silent. Have, has there ever been a time where you said something immediately, as soon as the words left your mouth, you're like, I should have just shut my mouth. But you didn't. <laughs> Maybe Kanye had that moment when he interrupted my biffle, Taylor Swift, the VMAs. Um, but <laughs> Herod opens his mouth and has, I call it diarrhea of the mouth, when you just can't shut up and you keep digging yourself deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And he had, that's what he had. And look what he says. He says to this little girl, ask me anything you want and I'll give it to you up to half my kingdom. I'll give you half my kingdom if you want it. Who would give their stepdaughter that much, like, authority, right? But he, do, he, he does. And it backfires on him. It backfires on him. Some of us. Because of our pride, we say things we shouldn't. Sometimes because of our pride, we brag on ourselves and we take glory for ourselves with our mouth when we should be giving it to God. Who gave you the ability to dribble a ball like that? God. Who gave you the ability to sing like that? God. How many times do you use your mouth to give the glory to God and how many times do you use your mouth to give the glory to yourself? How many times do you use your mouth to say words that are not pleasing to God just because your pride is compelling you to fill in, to fit in? There are some times where pride makes us loud and we should be silent. The next observation. It's going to be a lot of observation because the application is very simple. Pride locks me into bad situations. Have you ever talked yourself into a bad situation? You're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, I've done that. I don't have time to get into some of my embarrassing stories, but I'm sure you have an embarrassing story, too, where you promised somebody something, and as soon as you did it, you're like, oh, I did it. You know, so that doesn't go on the podcast. I'm not supposed to say that. Um, so um, pride locks me into bad situations. <laughs> Herod ran his mouth, and Herodias took full 
advantage of it. Um, Look what she says. As soon as that girl runs to her mom, her mom knows exactly what to say. And then in verse 26, it says, The king was greatly distressed when the girl's like, I want John the Baptist to have right now. The king was greatly distressed because he's like, Man, I backed myself into this situation. All my friends are watching to see what I'm going to do. I gave her my word that I was going to do this. So according to him, he had no, to his pride, he had no other choice because if he would have said no, his friends, I'm sure, would have been like your friends. They're like, oh, man, you talk a big game, but you can't back it up, can you? So, um, so, so, so pride locks me into bad, bad situations. What you may have learned before is the more you run your mouth, the more you're forced to back it up. And when you're forced to back it up, you often make decisions that you should not make. And the last one, pride hurts innocent people. Who are the innocent people in this case? Well, first, obviously, John the Baptist, right? He's the one who doesn't have a head anymore. Yeah, John the Baptist was obvious. This is a picture, by the way. Remember how I said we need better Christian art? Another example here. Um, John the Baptist, he was killed simply because of a grudge that Herodias nursed because her pride got damaged. I'd say also the girl's a victim, right? I mean, you, t- you, talk, about, you, talk, about a messed up, you talk about a messed up psyche. How's holding a dead head on, your, on a platter and taking it to your mama? How, how about that for messing you up for the rest of your life, right? I think that messed me up. Pride hurts innocent people. How many people have been hurt on the altar of your pride? Because you thought so much of yourself that you refused to offer forgiveness to that person, the forgiveness that you owed to them. I think about... And I see this a lot. Parents who use their kids as bargaining chips between um, ex-husbands and ex-wives. Because the pride gets in the way, the kid gets hurt. Pride hurts. First off, it hurts you. I mean, it's like drinking poison and hope somebody else dies. But it hurts the people around you too. So how can we beat it? That's the thing. How can we beat pride? The best way to beat anything is with F-words, is what I say. And I've got three of them for you tonight. <laughs> so here's the, here's the first F word. Here's the first F word. You need to fall on your knees and pray a prayer of confession. Can I tell you, if you want to really live the Christian life, you have to build, and this is an everyday thing, you've got to build confession into your life. If a day goes by where you don't confess your sin, guess what? That means that chasm between you and God, that like rift between you and God gets bigger for each day that you don't confess sin. I'll tell you one of the hardest things I do Yet one of the most rewarding things I do every day, every day when I spend time with God, is I confess sin. And I try to do that before I do just about anything. That's one of the first prayers I pray because I want me and God to start off right. So confess your sin. Fall on your knees. A lot of times when we hold pride in our hearts, it's because we're trying to cover up a sin that's sitting underneath the surface in our life. So what sin do you need to confess tonight? The next one is filter your decisions through God's word. Man, what if, what if Herod would have stopped? What if Herodias would have stopped? And rather than being all offended and all upset, thought, well, what, is, what does God have to say about this? When's the last time where you're, you know, your chest swelled up like this and you're all full of pride? When's the last time you thought, what does God think about my attitude? We filter every, everything through this book. There ain't a thing we don't filter through it. And the final thing, the final thing is find your way back to the cross. Man, you struggle with pride. Think about Jesus. Think about the gospel because there is no room for pride when you consider the gospel. When you consider that your sins, 
this is kind of like heavy stuff, but your sins, the things you did wrong, the things that went against God's law, literally damned you to hell. Yet, Jesus left the glory of heaven. He was in heaven in his glorified body with God at the right hand of God. He left all that glory, came down and became a baby. Grew up, lived on this dust ball we called earth, allowed himself to be made fun of by Pharisees, allowed himself to be hit by Roman guards, whipped by Roman guards, killed by Roman guards. Also, little old me who was damned to hell could live eternally with him in the heaven that he came down from. Hey, there's no room for pride, is there? The only thing we can do is get on our knees and say, thank you. That's the only thing we can do. It's in, in Ephesians, it says our only boast is in the cross. That's the only thing we can be proud of, and it's something we didn't do. So maybe tonight, I just got to say it, maybe tonight you've never found your way to the cross. You've found your way to the church, but you haven't found your way to the cross. There's never been a time where you, as Romans chapter 10 said, you called on the name of the Lord and you were saved. You've got the church thing down, but you don't have the cross thing down. You'll never be able to kill pride until you get the cross thing down. And if that's something you need to do tonight, I would invite you to do it as we pray. If you have more questions about that, I'd invite you to talk uh, to one of us before you leave. So let's pray, and we'll get out of here. Father, we, we let go of all our pride. We don't want to hold on to anything other than the cross. Father, there's so many, there's so many bad things in our life. Uh, so many attitudes and resentments that we harbor, um, so many regrets of things that we've done that we could all attribute back to pride. So, Father, I pray that tonight will be the night that we let go of it, that we let go of ourselves, and we fully embrace you as Lord of our life, that we won't be afraid to stand alone, but we'll be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.